0: Good evening. Good evening. It is such a privilege and a pleasure to be here in the city of Albuquerque, marked present with each of you, my father's children. I want to pause for a moment to praise God for my friend and brother Pastor Ryan. Let's celebrate him and this effort, this Claris conference, calling us together to study the Word of God. Come on, let's praise God for him. I'm thankful to be a part of this conference, thankful to have the privilege of getting to put a face with a name and a personality. Let's thank the Lord for Dr. Tom Schreiner. Tonight, I want to pray, read the word of God to you recorded in Acts chapter nine I want to consider all 31 verses. Please let me caution you that this lengthy reading will not result in a long sermon. (laughs) I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this night, for this fresh opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray even now, Father, that you would give us open hearts and receptive minds to what it is that your spirit has to say to the church. Help us, O God, to take your word and to apply it to our lives for the living out of these days. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me anew and anoint me afresh. Hide me behind your cross so that you and you alone might be glorified. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 31. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through through 31 for our consideration. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue of Damascus so that if he found anyone belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias said, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days, he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem, of those who called upon this name and he has not come here for this purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests but Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed the Jews plotted to kill him But their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed all the Hellenists. But they were seeking to kill him And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Tonight... I want to label this message a change of plans. A change of plans. Recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. This is the word that the old GPS systems, which predated Waze, Google Maps, and Apple Maps, would use to inform us that we had failed to follow directions (laughs) and would soon receive a change of plans. The original path had been ignored, avoided, or forsaken. Now, a new set of coordinates, instructions, or details needed to be issued for our arrival at the pre-selected destination. Well, friends, I believe that on this fated day in human history, the global positioning system in heaven started buzzing with these same words about a man named Saul. Recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. The Holy Spirit knew who he was, where he was, and what he planned to do. However, while Saul intended to go to Damascus to arrest and further persecute the Christian members of the way, God in Christ decided that in Damascus... Saul would become a Christian. This powerful and unique conversion story is situated here in the book of Acts by Luke to convey two profound truths. First, that God is sovereign, and so he controls the logistics of the gospel's forward progress. Second, that God is gracious and he decides who is included in his divine process. This is mind blowing. God controls everything, and God can save anyone. That's the testimony of Scripture. That's the witness of the church. And whether you know it or not tonight, that is the truth that is embedded in each of our lives. Saul had been handpicked by God. And if you are a believer tonight, so are you. If you're not a believer, stay tuned because God might be using this moment to get your attention. This drastic and dramatic change of plans offers us a lens through which to process God's work of conversion in us. Here, we are confronted just like Saul with the unmistakable reality that Jesus will change you and then use you for his kingdom purposes. I like the way that sounds. I'll play it for you again. I said Jesus (laughs) will change you and then use you for his kingdom purposes question on the table tonight that I want to ask and answer as swiftly as possible is simply this, what can we learn from Paul's conversion about God's ability to redirect our lives? Notice with me, first of all, that verses 1 through 9 tell us that God interrupted him. He changed his focus by blinding him in the light. Can you see him? Filled with conviction, armed with a warrant, and convinced that he's doing what's right. Saul tragically rides with letters in hand. And team in tow from Jerusalem to Damascus a distance of more than a hundred miles in order to arrest and persecute the members of the church as he seeks to serve Judaism and discontinue the outbreak of this new religion known as the way his adrenaline is racing his heart is pumping in anticipation. His brow is sweating in the heat of the Mediterranean sun. His horse is speeding. His team is following. However, unbeknownst to any of them, his time is up. Saul gets stopped in his tracks. He gets pulled over by the high sheriff of heaven and confronted for his crimes against the kingdom. On this road, Saul met Jesus. This exclusive interruption was physical, spiritual, and transformational. Saul was physically knocked to the ground when heaven's spotlight hit the road that he traveled on. Jesus appeared to him according to the full testimony of Scripture and confronted him about the personal persecution he was bringing against the church. This was Jesus Christ confronting his most venomous foe in order to enlist him in the most important fight. Saul's companions heard the voice, but they couldn't see the vision because Jesus wasn't talking to them. This supernatural turn of events left Saul convinced that Jesus was real, convinced that he had been wrong, and blinded physically By the weight and intent of the encounter. God changed him that day, and he would never be the same. That day, he left the road, led into the same city where he was headed to drag others out. His heart was penetrated. His mind was renewed. His eyes were blinded. The light of God moved him from actively going to Damascus to cause trouble to passively waiting in Damascus without food or water. Here he is, blinded, fasting, and praying, He was awaiting instructions from the same Jesus who facilitated his interruption. But what about you? Do you recall when God interrupted your life, when he grabbed your attention and proved to you personally that Jesus is real? God knows how to get your attention. And if he wants you, he knows exactly where, when, and how to break in on you so that your life will never be the same. God interrupted him. That's verses 1 through 9, but then here in verses 10 through 19, Something strange happens. God promoted him. He changed his purpose by choosing him to suffer for the sake of his name. But wait, there's more. Now God decides to include in Saul's story an unsung hero of the faith. A disciple named Ananias is called formulaically according to the patterns of the Old Testament called narratives. He is called by his name, and he responds, Here I am, Lord. Then he is instructed to go down to a street called Straight and inquire in the house of Judas, about a man named Saul, Jesus himself informs Ananias that Saul has been blinded, and that now he's praying and has received a vision about an individual who fit Ananias' description, coming to lay hands on him so that he might be healed and be filled, and then be dispatched into his new vocation of kingdom business. Please notice that Saul was so good at being bad that the news of his coming hit the city before he did. So Ananias offers a strange and terrified rebuttal to the Lord. He says, Lord, I've heard about this guy. He's done injury and harm to the saints in Jerusalem. And he has, he's headed here to Damascus with letters of extradition to arrest those committed to you and to drag them back to Jerusalem. Lord, You want me to go pray for this guy that we've been planning to hide from? God says, go. Please notice with me that this one-word response will preach. Because frequently when God gives us direct orders, we try to supply insufficient excuses (laughs) to ignore what's been commanded. But I need to tell someone under the weak sound of my voice tonight that your excuses will not change your assignment. So God says, go, and then he tells him why. He is a chosen vessel. He will preach my name to the Gentiles before the kings and to the children of Israel. I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And Ananias obeyed God. He goes to the street called Straight. He locates the house of Judas. He finds Saul and says, "Brother Saul, Jesus sent me so that your vision might be restored and you might be filled." with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that when he laid hands on Saul, something like scales fell from his eyes. In the original language, these scales were like those of a fish or a snake. Here, he is supernaturally blinded and divinely healed by the confirming touch of a member of God's church. Friends, when we check the record of the New Testament, it becomes painfully clear that Paul's assignment and importance to the advancement of the gospel in many ways superseded the work of the other 11 remaining apostles. He engaged in three missionary journeys, taking the gospel into Gentile territory where he established churches, confirmed leaders, and discipled people. In Acts 26, he preached the gospel before King Agrippa and was told, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. Whenever he went to a new city, it was always his custom to start preaching in the synagogues trying to reach the Jews before evangelizing the Gentiles. This is why he says in his own words in Romans 10 that my heart's desire and prayer to God is that they, Israel, might be saved. Here, Saul is promoted from persecutor to sufferer. Unfortunately, we are resistant to this model. You see, we falsely embrace a theology that believes that all of the blessings of the Lord take you up and to the right. But sometimes God's blessings take you down and to the left. Sometimes God promotes you by permitting you to suffer for the sake of others. Paul would clarify this in Colossians 1, when he reasoned that I fill up in my body what is lacking of the suffering of Jesus Christ. He suffered to accomplish redemption, but I have to suffer to lead others into genuine relationship with him. So friends, be careful about praying for promotion (laughs) and plotting for positions because if you're not willing to bleed, you're not ready to lead. God promoted him from persecutor to sufferer. Oh, how necessary it is to have to suffer for the name of Jesus because he's the one who suffered for you. I believe, brothers and sisters, that one of the great problems with the modern church is that she is anemic in her commitment because we want a crossless Christianity. Let me whisper this tonight. I won't shout it calvary's cross wasn't the last one god wrote into the story if you're going forward with Jesus you've got to deny yourself take up your cross and follow him Paul's conversion is unique but it's also applicable here is a man who had to be blinded in order to be converted. That's unique. But it's also applicable because the same way that God interrupted him and stopped him, you can rest assured that God did not waste his time interrupting you, saving you, or stopping you just to waste your time. You see, your story will not make it onto the pages of Scripture. The canon is closed. <laughs> but when your journey is done, you should want the record to reflect that just like Paul, you were a faithful witness. God interrupted him. God Promoted him. But then note, thirdly and finally, God used him. That's verses 20 to 31. He changed his motivation by using him to proclaim boldly the same Jesus that he once persecuted. Saul is introduced to two different groups in these final 11 verses of our text. He is fellowshiped into the church at Damascus by Ananias and the mother church in Jerusalem by Barnabas. Both groups are apprehensive about him, but the Bible tells us that Saul grew strong. This is not a reference to his physical anatomy, but rather to his ability to handle the word of God. He got some reps in as a preacher, and he got stronger the more he spoke. Get this, Saul was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was baptized, and he immediately began preaching Jesus in the synagogues. This drastic change of plans confounded the Jews. But look at the wisdom of God. He took this ferocious enemy who was well-versed in the Old Testament scriptures and introduced him to the Old Testament's fulfillment, Jesus Christ. You see, the reason why he fought Jesus so venomously is because he knew what the Bible said, but he didn't know what it meant. But once he met Jesus for himself, he was now able to connect the dots between what the prophets had foretold and what he was now able to behold. Can I tell you tonight that God is responsible for keeping you alive until your assignment is completed? If you take score in these closing verses, he preached boldly. They plotted to kill him in two different cities but he was delivered both times by way of escape. Paul is proof that God will get you out of the trouble that the gospel gets you in. (laughs) Acts 9 and 22 says it like this. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus, proving that Jesus was the Christ. He was able to take up Old Testament scripture on one hand and what he had heard of the life of Christ on the other hand and offer proof positive that he was. The Messiah of God. You see, the grace of God skillfully turns Jesus' enemies into his allies. That's what happened to you if you've truly been converted. You've gone from denying the cross, resisting the cross ignoring the cross and in some instances even insulting the cross to advancing the cross. I want you to see it because verse 31 climaxes with one of Luke's summary statements. He tells us that The church has evolved from the church persecuted to the church multiplied. God knows how to move the pieces on the chessboard so that with one play he can change everything. That he took his enemy and made him his ally, and now the church began to multiply once again. I close tonight when I tell you the true story of a little boy who had a special relationship with the Lord. His father was an alcoholic who began to beat his mother Because of her faith in and commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, he was so consistently violent toward his wife that she stopped attending church. But this little boy, under the age of 10, was so in love with the Lord that one night he attended revival by himself. He heard the preacher preach. His heart was pricked. He accepted the Lord Jesus Christ He came down front, gave his hand to the pastor. Well, that was Monday night. Each night, he showed up for revival again. But on Friday, he walked in, but he wasn't by himself. That Monday he had given his testimony to the pastor in private told him that his mother loved the Lord but that his father was a violent alcoholic and so she'd stop attending church and he kept coming and that Friday night the boy walked in and he had a man with him when the service was over and the invitation was given that man walked forward With his hand in the boy's hand, the pastor asked him who he was. He said, I am this boy's father. He said, well, we've been praying for you (laughs) since Monday. But what are you doing here? He said, well, my son is the best person I know. But he told me that he got saved the other night. And I realized that if he needed Jesus, I need Jesus too. This true story is a perfect picture of how God in Christ can change our plans. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I have light in my soul for which I have long sought since Jesus came into my heart. I have ceased from my wandering and going astray since Jesus came into my heart. And my sins, which are many, are all washed away since Jesus came into my heart. I'm possessed of a hope that is steadfast and sure, since Jesus came into my heart, and no dark clouds of doubt can my pathway obscure, since Jesus came into my heart. Floods of joy o'er my soul, like a sea below roll, since Jesus came into my heart.